This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed, another edition of the opening kickoff. Thanks for hanging with us on this Wednesday. we got a lot to get to over the course of the next three hours. Right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. A lot of it, quite frankly, is about you. That's right, a little Chick-fil-A. Get you qualified for the Alec Naiman Catering Party. Man, give you a chance to chime in, 694-1055. And, of course, there's always that ability to jump in in the app, WNSP.com. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. I got some baseball for you. Sweet. Yes, I was having lunch yesterday with uh, Dan Jennings and his brother, uh, Dave, who was named the Oriole uh, Scout of the Year. And we were discussing, uh, obviously, some baseball as well as football. And then I get home and see where arguably one of the greatest Orioles of all time, Brooks Robinson, passed away. And guy was with the uh, Orioles 23 years, had the nickname the Human Vacuum Cleaner because of his fielding prowess, considered the best fielding third baseman of all time, a 16-time straight gold glove winner, and one of the greatest Orioles of all time. And, and and this happens just days away from the Orioles trying to clinch the American League East. They won yesterday, one nothing. So there are like two and a half games or their magic number for clinchings now, too. But they had a moment, obviously, a moment of silence before the game to honor the great Brooks Robinson. Uh, some other baseball notes. Uh, the Phillies gained the wild card in the National League with their win. The Cubs lost in a oh, pitiful way. Outfielder drops a fly ball, a surefire out. Braves scored two runs in the eighth. So because of that, the Brewers clinched the NL Central. In the American League, I told you about the Orioles. Texas loses to the Angels, but still lead the West by two and a half. This is the final week of the regular season with the Astros trailing by two and a half and Seattle three back. Mark, something that you might find interesting in the Seattle game. George Kirby was pitching for Seattle and was pitching very well. In the sixth inning, there was a foul ball that went into the third base uh, stands. Guy threw the ball back. You know how sometimes sure. in the outfield home runs? And he hit the pitcher, <laughs> Kirby. Kirby's expecting a throw from the umpire, right? And he gets hit in the chest by a ball that was thrown from the stands. The guy got removed from the game. Now, we've seen... He got removed? Yeah. Oh, come on. Kirby said he had a pretty good arm, too. but And he was kidding about it, but he's lucky he wasn't hit in the face or anything like that. Now, look, we've seen home runs thrown back by, let's say, an opposing player hits a home run, the fan throws it back. Right. But why would you throw a, a ball, the third base foul, back onto the field and then he and unless he was an, an Astro fan he was upset with Kirby but nobody ever tries to hit a player I don't think you just try and get it back to the pitcher he's a tr that's how Henry uh uh what's his name Rowan Gardner Rowan thank you Rowan Gardner that's how he got his shot man you always throw it back it's your chance to show off the gun Something you might find interesting Mark <laughs> this wacky crazy thing happened yeah uh so anyway, Kirby finished out his six innings. He got the win, and the uh, fan was removed from the game. Uh, while, while the uh, talk doesn't stop with Notre Dame and Ohio State and Lou Holtz still weighing in, there was a kind of a feisty. Yeah, there's kind of a disturbing story out of a high school 
It's making the rounds this day. Ohio State High School football coach Tim McFarlane has resigned Monday from Brooklyn High School. His players were using racist and anti-Semitic language to call out plays during a game last week. He resigned on Monday. His players repeatedly used the word Nazi as a play call in a game against Beechwood High. It's a Cleveland suburban school, which they say is about 90% Jewish. The thing is, they actually stopped using the, uh, the the term in the second half after the Beachwood coaches threatened to pull their players from the field. And then some of the kids continued to use it uh, because yeah. they're idiots. But, I mean, like, it's, it's just so hard to believe in this day and age this stuff still goes on. I mean, you would think the head coach, McFarlane, would know better or his coaches would know better or officials would know better. It was a misunderstanding. He was saying Yahtzee. Oh, Yahtzee. Yahtzee. <laughs> I've never played that game of you. Oh, really? I have it's never a good time. I I've, 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 I've been around minute, but... I've been around family members who have played. I have never sat in. Yeah. No, it was it was Yahtzee he was saying. No, it's it's ridiculous. The whole thing is dumb and uh why you would even consider calling anything that and obviously they knew what they were doing. So kudos to the other team for saying something, but man, you're just asking for it if you're going to continue to do it. Lou Holtz, it's so dumb. I, I don't want to. I personally don't want to belabor the point because I'm getting tired of it. But Lou Holtz did come back, apologized to his own uh, Notre Dame coach Marcus Freeman for putting him in that spot, but still ranted that Ohio State's a good team but not a great team, and went on to say because they haven't won this, this, and this. Here's the thing that Lou should remember, though: Ohio State has beaten Notre Dame six straight times now. Six I, I actually thought it was funny. So you're expecting Lou Holtz to come out and apologize, and he did, but he apologized to the Notre Dame coach and basically told Ryan Day to shove it because he's like, dude, you can be mad at me if you want. You know, guys get emotional sometimes. That's okay. No, I I, I did not expect that from Lou Holtz because I was waiting to see somebody was going to ask him about Ryan Day's comments and he's just like, man, that's his choice. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, well, but put, he doesn't want to talk about Michigan. Like, and then he doubled down. He's like, well, he doesn't want to talk about Michigan and going 0-2 against Michigan. Yeah, but they've also dominated Michigan over the years. It's only recently that Michigan has won a few games from Ohio State. Well, I think that Lou Holtz, again, and, and I say this, Notre Dame has failed miserably against Ohio State. They're 2-6 and six now, and the Buckeyes, of course, it goes back a long time. Last time Notre Dame beat him was 1936, but still, you know, Holtz has got to look at that if he wants to. But like I said, he's a magician. He can do whatever he wants, and he can't make his his terminology disappear. But uh, in one regard, I give him credit. He doesn't back down. Nah, he's like, he can come Feisty. after me all he wants. Feisty. Yeah. I Until that time, until this week, I really hadn't heard much from Ryan yeah. Day in any year or any game. He's a very quiet coach, but this one erupted. I mean, to be fairly, Ryan Day is one and two against Michigan. So, like, while obviously Ohio State has dominated Michigan, it's not like Ryan Day has dominated Michigan. You can you can use any stat you want, but I'm telling you, um, you know, I, to to sit, to go out and and say a team is not, not tough enough or physical enough when you look at the history of Ohio State. And you look at the records over the years, you know, what were they saying about Michigan prior to beating Ohio State? You know, the same thing was uh, thrown at them. So, you know, if you look at the overall record, yeah, Lou Holtz is looking at, you know, lately uh, Ohio State hasn't fared well in some of their big games. But that's not that's not unusual. And 
I, I still think I'd still put Ohio State up there among the alpha teams. To be clear, I think it's true of all of them. Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, you know, pretty much any non-SEC team. Uh, but, you know, that, but to, that's a whole other conversation. But to, but to your point, though, we always talk about what have you done for me lately. Yeah, I mean, I the SEC has been horrible this well, year. But didn't. Well, right? we'll, see, I mean, we'll see how things shake out at the end. Like, is this right. the year where finally, you know, another team comes but out of the woodwork? Like Alabama, I've been accused of being Mr. You know, ne- negative Nancy over here. But, you know, we don't talk about Alabama being one of the elite programs right now. Well, do we? Even though if you look back at their record, even, though, uh, you know, it's a couple it years is, ago. It is. Like yeah. If, if I were to ask you right now who you think is going to win the national championship, do you, do you think it's Colorado? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think it's going to be? A team that we're not talking about right now, like Oregon or or someone who hasn't won recently, Penn State, Texas, I, maybe. Uh, like I don't think it's going to be Ohio State or Michigan, and I'm not sure it's going to be Georgia. Hey, speaking of stats, this one just boggles my mind. Do you know that Auburn? Speaking about Georgia, they're playing them this week. In their last five games against Power Five teams. They have failed to go over 100 yards passing in each of the five. Just think about that. In this day and age of passing, yardage, big-time games, five straight games without going over 100 yards passing in their last five Power 5 games. Hmm. That's not good. That's terrible. (laughs) You want to talk? What does Lou Holtz have to say about that? Nah, we need to get Lou on, man. I, I feel like if you just let Lou go, he'll just like he'll just keep going. He he yeah. may not remember who he's talking to or what he's talking about, he but give us sound bites for sure. That guy, Michael, work on that. Get Lou Holtz on. Yeah, he seems to be very available. I'm not so sure anymore, but nah, I, isn't I, is he? Correct me. Isn't he the last coach though to take Notre Dame to a championship? Have they had one since that? that year that he took them I, I can't remember now have they won a chance i know they've been in brian kelly never won one i know he got them to the final four but they never won and i think holtz is the last coach you know back when of course well, notre dame was the dominant team back in the the, the 40s and 50s and 1988 88 88 yep before then it was uh old dan divine right parsegian parsegian what the hell are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then it was uh, Leahy, Rockney. Nice. <sighs> what the hell are we doing? Ed Harris. All right, here we go. 6.15. we got a lot going on today. Um, we're going to talk to uh, Damian Webb, South Alabama, football player today at 6.30. We'll also talk to UMS Wright quarterback Joe Lott. We're scheduled to meet with him at 6.50. Joey Jones. As it is Alabama-Mississippi State Week, will join us. Mike Griffith, he will have plenty to say about, you know. Anything. Uh, anything. But mostly we're having him on to talk some Georgia. Hopefully. But he tends to go off on tangents there. Uh, Chris Stewart will join us at 8 o'clock. And Richie Riley at 8.30. We're just getting started here. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. Off and running on a Wednesday right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Five hits. Bounding ball. Great stop by Brooks Robinson. There's one.
622 here on a uh, Wednesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff continues. Has a little nostalgic. Brooks Robinson, the magician at third base with his glove. Uh, a play that he made in 1970. He was the MVP of the World Series as much for his fielding as his hitting. He also was an MVP in the American League one year with the uh, Orioles. All right, all you Alabama fans, listen up. The WNSP Alabama Watch Party is set for this Saturday. Go on by and see us at the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street. Uh, it's Alabama, Mississippi State. We'll be giving away an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault. That will take place at halftime. But as soon as you walk in, you'll have an opportunity to grab you a free WNSP T-shirt. One I'm kind of sporting today, actually. It's pretty sweet. Uh, they'll have plenty of drink specials as well. You'll see Air Sports 1 out there. It's our WNSP Alabama watch party at the Stables Bar downtown off St. Francis Street. Come on by and uh, check out the Tide as they face Mississippi State. Mark, we should mention updating what's going on with the uh, commissioners and college football. They're meeting in Chicago, and again, the issue is the college football playoff format for 2024. We talked about this with Jerry Palm yesterday, but it's still on the table. Do they go from the 6-6 to the 5-7? And this will be discussed, I think, more today than it has been. Uh, do you go from the 5 uh, teams that are guaranteed by winning their conference and then seven at large if, in fact, the Pac-12 dissolves, which everybody feels it will. Uh, yeah, I would say yes. By the way, because uh, I'm going to pivot from that, uh, this might be up your alley, uh, Bronner. Did you guys see, you probably saw it because I saw it in the post, Lee, the, uh, the bet that was placed on the Monday night game, the no safety bet, did you guys see this? I missed this, no. All right, so it might be the worst bet in the history of the world. So a guy put twenty-four k. let that sink in, $24,000 on the fact that there would be no safety in the Bucks eagles game, which is a monster bet. The potential payout was only $960. So if he were to win this, Lee— Put down twenty four thousand. He would have won twenty four thousand nine hundred sixty dollars, right? He would have only made nine hundred sixty dollars. Well, as it turns out, there was a safety. Dude lost twenty four k on a no safety bet. I get why guys bet. There's got to be a little something in it for you, right? Nine hundred sixty dollars hardly seems worth it for a twenty four thousand dollars. Is bet. he married? <laughs> I'm just uh, wondering. Not anymore, I bet. No, no, I'm just wondering when you go home and say, oh, by the way, um, <laughs> I just lost uh, 24000 I I just can only imagine what went explain on in that, that house all year. Could you explain that? Yeah. And why would you I, – I don't bet, so I don't know. Maybe Michael's better at this. Usually if you bet, aren't you looking for something in return, like a big pay payday? Well – a lot of the times these guys look for guarantees or what are perceived to be. Like sometimes you'll see better places, $50,000 on Alabama money line against MTSU. Like I think there was something like that with the Alabama game. Uh, so like it happens. I mean, it's if you were to tell me, hey, I bet there won't be a safety. I'm not betting you. That's a pretty good – a, there's a pretty good chance that there won't be a safety in there's an a NFL game. The payout is – Right. So small so there. It started uh, in third quarter. Jalen Hurts threw a jump ball to Devontae Smith. It got picked off. 
Tampa took over on like the one. And so uh then probably sweating bullets. Yeah, Eagles point. go all out blitz and get in and Tampa gets rocked for a safety. Would either of you guys twenty four K. I don't I know <laughs> Michael bets. I don't know if you do. Mark. I do not. I don't think you do. But would any of you bet that Auburn will go over 100 yards passing against Georgia? No. <laughs> I can't believe that stat. Five straight games against Power 5 teams, and they haven't gone over 100 yards passing. It's a good prop. Would you go uh, under or over on that one, Michael? Under. Under and, and against uh, Georgia, and maybe put twenty four thousand dollars on it. We <laughs> might have to. We might have to bring br- back our little prop segment. Remember, Ooh. we used to do that where we would just we would come up, we would come up with props, just random props. We would do it. We wouldn't find actual props. We just come up with random props, like what three or four or five of them, and we'd have somebody call in. Yeah, and if they. Did we do we did we do the one or maybe we did five different callers and they got Chick Fil A or something if they got the props right we might have to revisit that it's not a bad idea I like the got prop. a whole new like stack of Chick Fil A's just came in yeah I aspire to just have twenty four k to throw around like that on a on a no safety bet somebody I, asked what if he did it on all sixteen games for seventeen weeks somebody broke it down if when you lose when you lose a bet of that caliber you'd have to bet that like. Oh, you'd you'd, you'd have, have to to you'd have to do it like for two more years in order to re to 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 capture what you lost. Here's what I was asking though, because I don't know the answer to this. I know when you win big, you have to report it, right? Am I right, Michael? Yes. Yeah. I don't. What if you lose big? <laughs> what if you lose big? Can you get take a tax write off yeah. on that? Can Maybe. You? I don't know. Maybe somebody Unlikely. in the app knows that. Uh, Unlikely. But uh, yeah, you can write off losses, really. I don't know. Can according you? to the app, you can. He would have lost twice this week. There was a safety in the Patriots game too. <laughs> <laughs> so if he was doing hey, that on every game, he would have lost did twice. Did you see this where the week. Patriots picked up Will Greer ahead of the game with Dallas? I did, and they have Zeke. We got we know all their secrets. Yeah, d- he just uh, left Dallas. Remember, he's the guy that was going to be cut. Had that monster game in the last preseason. And apparently was a very likable player with Dallas and uh, New England thinking ahead to their game with Dallas just signed him. Big win for the Pats coming. All right, you heard it here first. The big, big win for the Pats. It is. All right, we come back. Uh, we turn our attention to South Alabama football. Damian Webb scheduled to join us next. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee Bronner right here on the Sports Station WNSP. All right, segment brought to you by South Alabama Athletics. Get your tickets at usajaguars.com slash tickets. South Alabama Athletics connecting the city to the campus. Back to Hancock-Whitney. The next home game will be Southern Miss on the road this Saturday against the Tuffy. James Madison. And we're getting ready to talk with Jag running back Ladanian Webb. Got a stat here. The Jags are the best team in the country in the red zone. They've scored on 100% of its trips inside the 20-yard line. And a large part of that is LaDainian Webb ranks 11th in the nation in total touchdowns with six, eighth in the country in rushing touchdowns. He has scored two touchdowns per game in each of the Jags' last three games. LaDainian, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you? 
Pretty good. I think the reason you didn't score two in the first game, did you play much against Tulane? I don't remember if you carried the ball that much at all or not. Um, not that much. I was just, just trying to get back to myself. And when you say that, you're talking about coming off a knee injury? Yes, sir. Are you are you back to the way you should be now? Is everything okay? Yes, sir, I am. Got to go back in history with you. When you were at Beauregard High, you became the first underclassman to win the state's Mr. Football Award as a junior. Was that something that was pretty special to you? Yes, sir, it definitely was, especially for the community, so it really helped out a lot. All right, and then, of course, you went to Florida State. I'm not going to get too much into Florida State because we want to talk about the Jags. But Florida State, of course, having a really good year so far. Are a lot of the players on that team, were they there when you were there? Um, it's, a, it's a handful, you know. You know, I got a lot of new people in, but it's definitely a handful that's still on the team. All right, let's 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 move on to the Jags now. I want you to talk about the emotions after going to Oklahoma State, coming away with one of the great victories in Jag history, but then this week coming off the field after losing in the final seconds. Um, it was it was big for us, you know, but you know, coming back home, losing a game like that, you know, it's bittersweet. So it is one that we wish we had and played better to get a win, but we didn't come out on top, so we'll just get back to work. What's practice been like this week so far, getting ready for James Madison? It's been good, you know, the intensity up. And, you know, we're just working hard, just trying to go 100% just to get ready for the next opponent. So the stat about in the red zone that the Jags have been perfect, every time you get inside the 20, you score, I assume, either a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, and I, I assume this is something that the team works on during practice sessions? Um, yes, sir. It definitely is. It's just more about physicality, being physical up front. And that's what we take pride in, physicality. Oh, that's a term we've heard quite a bit, physicality, haven't we, Mark? Oh, indeed. Hey, so, LaDamian, i got to ask you, man, uh, take us back to Oklahoma State. Go back to Stillwater. That's got to be, like, one of your favorite towns in the country right now. Oh, yes, sir, definitely that. What was it about what Oklahoma State or didn't do that uh, that allowed you to be so successful? I mean, 151 and two tutties, man, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. I mean, we just we just kept fighting our whole line block hard the whole game, and a defense and special team. We all played like pretty well. When we wasn't playing well, they was playing well. So it kind of clicked together, and you know, just kept working, and it just came out on top, and we just kept working hard. So there is a. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So I wanted to tell you though, that I don't know if you've seen it. There's this great picture of you. I think it's the second quarter touchdown, scoring an Oklahoma State defender. Looked like he tried to die for you. He's on his back, but uh, your athletic director Joel Erdman has both hands up celebrating. Man, if I were you, I'd print that picture out and ask that man if he wants you to to autograph it for him. Yes, sir. I definitely have to get that picture. Ladani, <laughs> what's your favorite running play? What What's the play that you like the most? for you to run the football? Um, definitely inside zone. It just gives me a variety of ways I can run the ball. And it's just something I like going downhill. Would you rather, let's say, pancake a blocker or run around him? Um, it, it just depends, you know, the situation that we're in. But in the red zone, definitely pancake. Other than that, you want to make that meal. So, yeah, it'll be that way. Well, to preserve the legs and the body, don't you like to run around these guys to avoid getting hit? 
Yes, sir, definitely. But, you know, nowadays, it ain't too much running around. You're going to be contact airplay. What lessons have, did you guys learn from uh, the Central Michigan game? Um, you know, just work harder, don't take nobody lightly, and just fight to the end, regardless of the situation, and just keep working no matter, don't, don't matter the opponent. Well, you got James Madison coming up. They're undefeated. They beat Virginia, among others. They're one of the favorites. What have you been working on, especially against their defense? Um, really just you know, working on ourselves, just staying consistent, you know, just looking forward to the next opponent, no matter who it is, and just doing what we do and, you know, just getting better at the stuff that we need to get better at. Who's the one guy on the South Alabama defense you want to mess with when you get the ball in the hole? Who's gonna Who's gonna Who's gonna jump up in there and, and cause a wreak havoc? Or is there any Is there any such player on the uh, South Alabama defense? Um, it's it's quite a few, you know. Like you really can't name because it's so many on the defense. Like they all like run around full speed fast, so they all kind of chirping. So I think. Uh, special linebackers, so that's what I would say. Yeah, and they don't. I mean, they're they're itching to hit you because nobody will let them hit Carter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you involved much in passing plays coming out of the backfield? Um, we 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 got a a lot of um routes that we get out in, but more likely we may be in protection. If not, then yeah, we got a couple screens and you know flares and all that. So they keep you in the block. Are you a pretty good blocker? Um, yes, I think I'm decent at it. You know, when I when I need to be. But you know, if if nothing comes, of course I get out. So we really do appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, we wish you the best of luck moving forward. Uh, thanks for getting up early with us. If I can find that picture, man, I'm gonna tweet it out to you or something. All right, get 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 yes, Ur get Urban to autograph that thing for you. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, South Alabama running back, Ladanian Webb, right there on the sports. Great team. high school career. Uh, went to Florida State. Injuries curtailed that. Went to Jones County and was recruited then by South Alabama. And he's been a big plus for them in the backfield, uh, one of their best running backs ever. All right, this coming Friday, Mark I and Air Sports One will be out at St. Michael's High School. That's... Uh, Thanks to Dr. Christopher Mullinex and Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, among our many sponsors. They are the title sponsor. A couple of years ago, many years ago, I found out I needed dental implants, and my dentist recommended that I go see Dr. Christopher Mullinex. I think I told you this story, Mark. I was at, he had actually I was on my way to see another dentist, and midway during that trip. I got the call, said, I'm sending you to Dr. Christopher Mullinix, and it has really worked out well for me. Having seven, maybe eight, I can't remember, lost count, dental implants. After, you know, you go through the waiting room with very little waiting, very little paperwork, x-rays, then into the dental chair, and the next day, no pain and very little discomfort. So I highly recommend them. You do not need a recommendation. You can also... Uh, get same-day appointments if emergencies arise. Just give them a call at 471-3381. And, again, they're located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. You can ask for the Lee Shervanian uh, room. It's oh, yeah, ask for the Lee Shervanian wow. room. I've had people ask me if it really exists. It really does not. But in theory, in theory, there's no 
And there's no plate above it or anything like that. It says like the that. Shervanian room. I've, no pain, very little discomfort. There you go. Right. Now, that's me. That's, I don't necessarily subscribe that everybody's going to have that. And, and again, I was, you know, the first day I went in, didn't know anything about dental implants, had no clue what it was. And I was told to get a bottle of pain medicine. And I think I, the next day, I, I, if I took half a teaspoon, that would have been too much because I didn't need it and never have. So highly recommend Dr. Christopher Mullinex and certainly thank Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery for our title sponsorship for game day. Maybe you just have a really high threshold for pain. Maybe be. maybe it was painful, but you're just Lee. You're like the Hulk. You just there's just you're like you're like you're like you're like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Oh pain, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't go that far. Pain don't hurt. <laughs> it does hurt. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But thank you. I appreciate. That. I mean, I'm just speculating here. Yeah. I'm spitballing. I mean, I, I don't know. That. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're just making maybe it up. I'm maybe you were curled up in the fetal position know, crying because it was so much pain. Maybe with all the teeth issues I've had since going to college, even before that, never forget the. I was a well, a young kid, and I remember the dentist was up the road from us. Or you could walk to his office, and one of the worst experiences, and it, it's kind of vague now, but the guy would just. He was taking out a tooth, and he just cracked it all over the place, and oh. it was a mess. And again, I'm a young, you know, I don't know, eight, nine, seven. I had miserable experiences with early on in my career with dentists, but maybe I'm immune to pain. I think you are. Yeah. I think it toughened you up. I don't even know how many regular teeth. That You're like I, the Lou Holtz of Mobile. You can come at me if you want. Ain't going to bother me. All right, let's take a break, shall we? Yeah. All right. People don't want to hear about my problems in the past. You don't have problems. No, not it, now. It's made you who you are. That's right. Not if now. you hadn't gone through those experiences, we would not have the Lee Shervanian experience that we get every day here on the opening kickoff. That's nice to say. Thank you. Well, I didn't say it was good or bad. I'm just saying that's <laughs> the experience. Nice. Yes. It's kind of the hand we were dealt. All right. Lee's, we're going to take a break. Lee's going to go. You Lee, never have. You never go to the dentist, do Lee, you? Lee's going to go break some boards with his head here because pain <laughs> don't hurt. <laughs> Uh, and I when we go to the dentist in a long time, you, you don't been? either. You don't. I haven't been since I've moved to Mobile. Mm. You guys are good for you. I I don't know if it is good for me. Mm. Mm. Do you floss? No. Do you use that block of cheese to floss? Is that what that is? It catches all the other. Yeah. It 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 sticks to the cheese. Yeah. Okay. Between that and powdered peanut butter, it's a well balanced, nutritious diet for. Michael Bronner. All right. Uh, we'll talk to UMS quarterback Joe Lott. Scheduled to join him next. Uh, Joey Jones next. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 649, you hear the music, so here's your shot at some fried deliciousness this morning. Yeah, this is uh, a question uh, directly related to the late Brooks Robinson, who passed away at the age of 86 yesterday, the great fielding third baseman who won 16 straight gold gloves, arguably the greatest fielding third baseman. However, he does not hold the record for most gold gloves won. That's for fielding prowess. Name the major leaguer who recorded or hat was given 18 gold gloves during his career. And the answer may surprise you a bit, but uh, just call Michael and tell him who holds the record for most gold gloves 
Robinson had 16, but somebody had 18, and you win yourself a Chick-fil-A gift card. The uh, We're talking some high school football now. Uh, the state, every week, they recognize accomplishments. They sent out a release. Quarterback we had on last week, Mark, K.J. Lacey, they cited his five touchdown passes in the first half. Sarah Land beating Robertsdale and setting a school record with 11 straight wins. Also during the week, they were on TV last week. Uh, UMS Wright had a toughie. They lost to Viger, but Joe Lott shined again at quarterback, and Joe's on the line with us right now. Joe, good morning. How are you today? Morning. I'm great. How are you all doing? Good. Now, you made news this week. You have decided uh, which college you want to attend after this year. Tell us uh, the school and, and why you decided on it. Yes, sir. Um, I, I'm committed to Troy to play football, and I'm super stoked about it. Uh, the the things they have rolling up there with Coach Summerall, it's just everything's heading in the right direction. Uh, the practices are energized. Games are energized. They they want to win. They believe that they believe that they can do it. So, what schools did you visit, and was there another school that you strongly considered? Um. <clears throat> so. The other schools that I had offers from were really military academies and then places that were uh, kind of up north and stuff with like Miami of Ohio, Western Michigan, Southern Illinois. And so out of my offers, I didn't really consider um, any of those over Troy because I uh, didn't want to go that far away, to be honest with you. But um, the other places that I'm kind of still talking to, not not as much anymore after I committed, but or like bigger schools like Alabama, South Carolina, a little bit of Duke, um, places like that. But the only other, the only as soon as Troy offered me, I knew that that's where I wanted to go. You mentioned about talking, you know, to Alabama and schools like that. Were they talking to you like a preferred walk-on, or actually with offers? Um, so. Alabama has not actually made any comment about that, but South Carolina, um, they talk. They talk um, mainly if if things sway, sway all in my favor, that I would I would hopefully receive an offer from them, and not just preferred walk on. But that was before I'd committed to Troy, so I have no idea what I haven't really talked to them since since I committed two days ago or yesterday. He's Joe Lott. He joins us here on WNSP. All right, let's put all this football nonsense aside. All I keep hearing about since we've been telling people that you were coming on the show is about the greatest, most fantastic, unassisted triple play in six-year-old T-ball history. Break it down for the people, please, sir. All right. <laughs> we were in, um, I don't even know what game it was. Pretty big game, I think. Maybe to determine who won, who won our, uh, who won the, yeah. the whole league, maybe. Yeah, let's just and, say it uh, is. Uh, some, some, some dude. He he hit the ball just about the same spot every time. It'd go right over the shortstop, about twenty feet in the air. Okay. Um, into the outfield, and so I was playing shortstop. I back up to the edge of the grass. I run out there. I uh, dive somehow, make the catch. Stand up. There's chaos everywhere. I tag the dude who was running from second to third. And then I just stepped on the base, and or, and then I, I the dude who was running from first to second tagged him, and it was a triple play to win the game. And after that, it was all I, I, that's all I remember, if I'm being honest. So we're getting picked up, and that's about it. So is there video evidence of this to corroborate? I'm not saying you're lying, there's or there's not. 
I'm mad that my parents don't video me when I play sports. They're, they're bad at it. Well, I mean, all you had to do was go out there and recreate it. That way they could have gotten it a second time. I mean, that's kind of on you, Joe. <laughs> I got to uh, go back to playing baseball so I can hopefully try and recreate it. You can, are you continuing to play baseball after football season? Uh, no, sir. After eighth grade, I uh, stopped playing baseball and I played basketball on track. You, uh, you, your, your baseball career peaked with the triple play. You can't really top that, can yeah, you? It peaked, it peaked, after middle, it peaked after, <laughs> right, right, when, right when I got out of T-ball. Joe, you had a nice touchdown run I saw against Viger, and in listening to the commentary, they tell me that you play a, a number of positions. Uh, when you eventually get to Troy, uh, is there a particular position they have you penciled in for, or are they going to give you a tryout at, at many positions? Mm, so they really would rather come there and play on the defensive side, either at corner or safety. And it really just depends how much weight I can put on and how quickly I can do it. But um, if I get there and I tack on 20, 20 plus pounds, it's probably going to be playing the defensive side. But if I get there and can't put on as much weight as they're hoping and, and things aren't looking great on the defensive side, they said they'd be more than happy to um, – look at me at receiver it really just depends on when i get up there and how things are going yeah i can help you with the weight gain i'm just not sure joe it's the type of weight you want to put on but uh my my my, my big key is if start fried food and finish with with chocolate i think that's, that's yeah, your best bet that's my that's sometimes my uh sometimes my diet as well yeah well you may wind up on the d-line by the end of your college career or the o-line at this point joe i wanted to ask I you a snap at the d-line one time and how'd it go I uh, just dove at the center's, center's knees, tried to claw gag out. Yeah, and how did it work out for you, okay? Pretty good. They they actually jumped off sides. Of course, of course, your parents didn't get it on video. Yeah, no, but it, I got huddled this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll have to go dive into huddle and get that up on social so people can see just yeah. how uh, versatile you can be. We will. Joe, it's certainly been an unusual season for UMS Wright. I know you have an off week coming, but a two and three record. What's the the mood, the atmosphere there on uh, campus mm -hmm. with the Bulldogs? It's it's definitely different. Not used to it. But my freshman year, we started three and three and made it to the third round. So we know that we're not we're not truly out of it. We know that um, there's there's no point in giving up because that's like we still have five region games to play, and there's crazy things going on in our region right now. Teams are better than they were last year. Uh, people are beating people that I don't think should like, that I don't think they should be beaten by these teams. And so if we just we just turn things up, we have we we have so much more to offer when we're playing against against uh, other teams, but we we aren't really clicking yet. And so we're just we're just ready to finally get on the right track and stay on the right track. And all eleven players playing. At the same time, on offense and all eleven on defense, and this bye week, we're turning up the intensity, making sure practice is run out supposed to be, and trying to get back on the right track. Has Coach Curtis mellowed a bit? Uh, that, he's actually turned it up. He's the one really turning up the intensity, running everywhere, people people puking in the bye week. It's been awesome. <laughs> Well, there's something we don't need video, yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe, really do appreciate it, man. Thanks for getting up early with us. Best of luck uh, the rest of the way. Congratulations on Troy. Uh, we look forward to uh, seeing where you might be playing on the field when you hit it, uh, hit the field up there. So uh, best of luck the rest of the year. Appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Yep, you too. It's UMS quarterback uh, Joe Lott. All right, coming up, hour number two.
Joey Jones on uh, Mississippi State, Alabama, and maybe some South. Uh, Mike Griffith's going to join us, talk some Georgia and whatever tangent he likes to jump off, uh, go on. And then um, in hour number three, Chris Stewart and Richie Riley. So uh, we got plenty to go. I think and a chance for you guys to get qualified for the Alec Naiman Catering Party. That's right. Yeah, that's coming up at 7.50, I think. Or is it 7.20? Either or. Keep for, listening. For name it? Name it. Yeah. 720. 7.20. 7.20. If, if only we knew who put that together. Oh, wait. It's Mr. No Pain and Very Little Discomfort. I like it. We got to get you a belt, like a like a wrestling belt. Throw it over your shoulder every time you walk in here. Like, So how come I can't put weight on? I eat chocolate all the time. Yeah, but you, you don't need fried food. Yeah. I have to add the fried food, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look, you can make that happen. I tell you what, for a reasonable fee, I can help you with this. What's this fee about? Well, I mean, I can't give away my expertise on fatty foods and for free. But, you know, I can put you on a 30-day plan and we can put we can we can bulk you up and and well, bulk's probably not the right word, but we can fatten you up. Might actually enjoy it, Lee. Food's delicious. You should try it. I can't do that because in our garage, the cars are so close together, I wouldn't be able to fit between them to get to my vehicle in the morning, and I don't want to be late. There you go. Being yeah. practical. Yeah. Park on the street. Yeah. It'd be worth it. As long as you got no, that chicken wing hanging out of your mouth when you walk in Michael, here. Michael, it's, it's a pretty good idea, except there's usually no room. Uh, we're in a cul-de-sac. It's pretty difficult. We'll figure something. Shervanian Estates. Shervanian Manor at Shervanian Estates. All right, hour number one in the books. Here comes Joey Jones next, right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM. WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brawner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 7.05, welcome back in. Hour number two, the opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, and Bronner, we're all in the studios of WNSP for another day or two. Yes, anyway. uh, until Friday, until we hit the road. Also be on the road at Obamahauer's Restaurant next Monday. But headlines, Brooks Robinson, arguably the greatest fielding third baseman of all time, uh, passed away at the age of 86. A moment of silence before the Orioles game yesterday. Baltimore finally having a really good season on the verge of clinching. And uh, one of their greatest players ever passed away. In uh, basketball recruiting, big story for Alabama, meaning the center, Aiden Shirell, one of the most sought-after centers in the U.S., is coming to Alabama with a commitment in 2024. He is 6'10". He's playing for a prep school in California. Uh, he's a five-star and the first five-star ever recruited by Nate Oates as far as a center. He's recruited other five-stars, but he's the fifth five-star ever recruited, but the first center. So uh, that's the deal with uh, Alabama basketball. We're going to talk about the Alabama-Mississippi State football game this coming Saturday night in Starkville with a good friend of ours, 
the uh, former head coach of the South Alabama Jags, Joey Jones. Joey, good morning. How are you today? Great. How are you guys doing? We're doing wonderful. Uh, before we talk about the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs and your encounter with Alabama, uh, you'll be coming back to Mobile to be inducted into the South Alabama Hall of Fame uh, next month, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's coming down. I think the Louisiana Lafayette game. So I'm um, looking forward to that. So it's a big honor for sure. Bring us up to date on Mississippi State. First year, Farnett is the head coach. You and Steve Campbell, former JAG coaches, are on the staff. Uh, what's the season been like for Mississippi State? Well, you know, obviously we played a, a red-hot LSU team, um, you know, a couple weeks ago and, and, uh, and played, played much better this past week against South Carolina. I thought um, – I actually went to the game and um, – um, I thought offensively we, we hit some really big plays and, um, you know, defensively just, you know, played against a team that has some pretty good athletes. And um, and so it's kind of a shootout and guys fought back and ended up losing, I think, 37 to 30. But I thought we played much better. Talk about Will Rogers. He's been there forever. Has the system changed for him much this year with the passing of Mike Leach and Arnett taking over? Has there been a big change with the offense? Oh yeah, <clears throat> I think he went from you know, you know, if you want to describe the air raid offense, it's basically a, I, you know, I, I use the word dart throwing a lot, where you know you're throwing a lot of five to eight yard routes, getting the ball out real quick, um, you know, just kind of a, you know, they use it as a run uh, in that offense, you know, and, and the pass is a run, and uh, so. Now uh, there's a lot of play-action type throws, a lot of boots, a lot of, uh, you know, just really would use the word pro-style offense. Um, so it's much different for him. Um, but I think he's, man, he's, he's one of the best uh, guys I've ever seen as far as studying and learning. He, he was up there all summer long, 6.30 and, and, uh, in the morning and made sure he has everything down. Uh, so he's really, I think he really turned the corner this past week. Um, and had, I think he threw for 400 something yards. So I think he broke his own record for uh, yards in the game. So had a good week last week. I think and for all, for I think for everybody on offense, has been a little bit of a change, you know, uh, because offensive linemen are actually not pass blocking all the time. They ever actually having to run block some and that type thing. And the defense, of course, you know, with, with Coach Arnett being the coordinator, is the same. So that that's been the easy easy transition. Joey Jones, our guest here on WNSP. Yeah, Will Rogers, a career best, 487 yards. It seemed like there was a little bit more of a, a emphasis on throwing the ball around against South Carolina than in the previous weeks. Is is that what you guys is is that what the goal was to kind of not necessarily get away from the, the the run oriented stuff, but to be more mindful of the of the aerial attack? Yeah, yeah. I don't really. Know. I mean, I don't know exactly what the coaches were thinking, but just watching the game, it's pretty obvious. But I think. I think that they found that in the game. I think they found a, a matchup with our number inside receiver, uh, Tulu Griffin, number five. Yeah. Uh, against, against one of their defensive backs, and so I uh, found out that it, it was a better matchup than, we, than they thought, and they, so they kept kind of going to it. And, and uh, I think I think Tulu broke his record. I think he broke the record for reception yardage as well. Yeah, he did. State. And, and uh, so uh, anyway, yes, it was. I, 
And I, and I think, no, I think we'll try to be balanced, but, you know, I think I hear the uh, Coach Barbe, the offensive coordinator, say all the time, just, you know, whatever it takes, you know, if we, we got to throw the ball to win or run the ball to win. For instance, against Arizona, yeah, we, didn't, we didn't throw it hardly at all and, and uh, at, you know, ran it to beat them. So yeah, I think he kind of does, does from week to week what he has to do to win. Jerry, before we continue and, and maybe preview Saturday's game, tell our listeners what your position, what you do at the Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I guess it gives it a, a fancy uh, HR name, you know, Director of Player Personnel, <laughs> but uh, I'm basically in recruiting. And um, uh, so I recruit the state of Alabama and uh, parts of Georgia. And um, so just get trying to get some good players in here. And so. That's mainly it. I do. I do. I'm the NFL liaison, which means when the NFL guys come in, which they come in every day. Um, you know, I've got uh, I've got three coming in today, as a matter of fact, uh, as we speak. But um, uh, just dealing with those guys and you know, giving them the list of our players and talking about each player and you know what their what their pros and cons are and and um, you know they watch film and uh, do that. Get them uh, let them do that and and. Uh, They'll come out to practice and watch. I'll stand with them. So I take up a good part of my day dealing with those guys. But it's very important for you know these guys' future here at Mississippi State to you know have the opportunity to go play in the NFL. Is there a lot of talk about Will Rogers being an NFL quarterback? Um, yeah, I mean I think uh, it remains to be seen. To me, like I tell them, and I think they know. Um, they, they saw him in the in the air raid. You know, nobody really runs the air raid in, um, in the in the NFL, so they they're curious to watch him develop in this new offense, and um, and so yeah, I mean they're they're definitely curious about him and and watching him very closely. All right, how about some uh, thoughts about your alma mater, Alabama, coming in and what you anticipate from Alabama? You know the the talk down here in Tuscaloosa surrounding. You know the well, the quarterback situation. How do you see this game playing out? Well, you know, uh, I just talked to the coaches last couple of days. You know, watching their film. I had watched the film, but I did watch them play a little bit on TV. But uh, I think they're fantastic on defense. Uh, like the coaches here say, you know, they're they're sound of well coached uh, defenses they've seen. Uh, and so I think that you're looking at that, and they play well. I don't, I don't know what happened in Texas game, but uh, but I know that you know the the film that they're watching. They're saying, man, it's just you know really good players that are playing real real good technique and that type of thing. And offensively, you know, but they still got weapons. That, you know, they I think they look like they found themselves a little bit more this week, this past week, and so uh, you know we fully expect a really good football team coming in here at Salton. Yeah, as good as the offense was last week for you guys, it's it's certainly going to go up against a little bit of a juggernaut here. Uh, it's pretty clear that the Alabama defense is the strong uh, is is as strong as it's been here in in, in a while uh, this season anyway. Yeah. Uh, and off, offensively, I, I I still think they're trying to find their identity. But and I know you haven't seen a whole lot of the whole of of Jalen Milrow, but what are your impressions of that offense? That at times it's sputtered, but it also at times shown some real the ability for some explosive plays. Yeah, they, well, they've got explosive people. You know, I mean, they've got guys that you know the best in the country, and so I mean, and, and I, you know, just kind of looking at uh, Jalen, anyway, to me, he uh, it, man, it, if they ever kind of. 
set the offense up where he was running the ball a little bit more and on plan runs and and you know that that's his forte and he has he has a heck of an arm and you know he can he can hit you deep about at any time so uh, I just think they got so many good players offensively uh, receivers or seem to be you know I think we probably you know at Alabama you know spoiled uh, with the great receiver play over the years you know over the last with I mean my God you know from Julio on through you know just name them all and uh, Mari Cooper and you know Deontay Smith and all those guys and and I I, I remember seeing Coach Saban uh, talking about the offense he said I'm Basically, you know, that I've never thought that, you know, receivers could change an offense. You know, the receivers used to be just kind of supplemental players, you know, that, you know, that, you know, you need really good running back, really good offensive line, you win. It would be okay to have good receivers. But, man, they were so good that it caused the defenses to just, it, it, you can't make the right decision. You know, you're going to play them man to man, or you're going to try to play zone against them. And so, you know, they've got good receivers down there as well. Uh, but, but you know we've certainly been spoiled, you know, at Alabama, you know, with um, with with uh, a lot of guys that playing in the NFL right now. Yeah, back in your day, man, you receivers used to get in a three-point stance and block out there, right? Man, I'd love to play one of these offenses, man. It's been fun, but uh, all, all I had to know was two routes uh, in, in the wishbone, deep post route, and, and a hitch. So look at that, and you still remember them too. The question is, can you still run them? No, no, heck no, man. I just walk. Yeah. I don't do any more running anymore. I just walk. Yeah. Two miles a day, and that's that's it. That's all my joints can take. There, I, I don't, I, I feel that. So, David in the app wants to know: Is there any chance that you become a head coach again? Is there any desire? Is there any uh, interest in if the right situation presents itself? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, anyway, I'd be not, I'd say never say never, but uh, it's about ninety nine percent no. Um, um, you know, this this job right here has been perfect for me. I'm two hours from Birmingham, where the family is, and go home. Matter of fact, I went home Sunday after South Carolina flew in at two a.m. and got in the car that morning next morning and drove over there and, and visited the whole day and came back Monday morning early. And you know, as much I get down there about every weekend, and then uh, my wife comes over here. Uh, for for games, you know, when we have the home games here, so so it's been good. It's, a, it's, it's been a good little job that uh, that I'm enjoying, and I feel like I'm doing making a little difference with uh, hopefully the players we're going to get up here. Well, we appreciate you joining us, man. We always uh, love having you. Uh, enjoy the game this week, and uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. Congratulations again on the Hall of Fame. Well deserved. Yeah, thank you. What, what do you think about James Madison, real quick? I think uh, – give, give me a prediction. Oh, look at him turning the tables. Uh, they're very yeah, – yeah. Joey, they're very good. Uh, they're undefeated this year. They – I think uh, their record since uh, – He's the avoiding coach. the question. He's avoiding the question, Joey. Oh, I, the prediction? Yeah. Right That's now right. on a prediction, I would predict James Madison playing at home to, to win the game. I don't know what the spread is. I'd have to look it up if you want to go by points, but – Straight up, I would say James Madison would get the edge. I mean, my gosh, the guy's record up there is like 45 and 8. Sinetti. Yeah. I'll say 21 17, Jags. Oh, look at that. And that, that's a that's a one that's a good one to go out on, Joey. Hey, uh, if that's that right. if that is indeed the case, we we got you on next week. We're calling you next week if it's 21 17. <laughs> All right. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks, Joey. That's Joey Jones, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather. We come back. You have a shot at uh, the Alec Naiman catering party. That's right. Naming it is next. You know how it works. You call up. We play a audio clip, person, place, or thing. And uh, 
you would be the first one to identify said clip, and you will be the latest to register. Because we're giving, we're going ahead and giving that away this Friday. How about that? So get in. You only got two more chances for this round. All right, it's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee Bronner right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. All right, 725, here we go. Let's play a little naming it. That's right, we're going to play an audio clip, 694-1055. Be the first person to get Bronner on the phone and identify the person, place, or thing. And you will be qualified for a shot at Alec Naiman's catering party, which we will be giving away this Friday when we're on location. So, Mr. Bronner, let it rip. What do you got, Lee? You think you know what that is? I'll take a wild guess, but I, I don't want to ruin it for all right, somebody don't ruin calling it. in it. Don't ruin it. All right, let's uh, first of all, I thought we were having technical problems. Are we okay? Are we still on the air? We're good. We're good. See? And but so if you were just guessing to say that was technical problems, you'd be wrong, people. You'd be wrong. So you have to come up with a with a better guess than that. All right, so um, coming up here, uh, Mike Griffith's gonna talk a little Georgia, but let's talk to you guys and see if you guys can figure that one out. All right. Go ahead, caller. What were you just hearing? Sound like Donkey Kong. Man, you got that on the first try. That's craziness. You told me it was difficult. <laughs> All right, who are we talking to? Too easy. Too easy. Sean. See, but you know, you're of my generation. You see, I, I, I'm dealing with, I'm, I'm dealing with a kid in the broom over there, and uh, old time, and an experienced uh, gamer over here, and you just kind of fit that demographic. So, uh, congratulations. I, I, I couldn't get through on the Blues Brothers yesterday. I knew that one right off too. So, uh, glad I got through today. All right, that well, was I'm glad. My pick, Sean. Yeah, I'm glad we could uh, can help you out. One. All right. So, uh, what was his answer again? I didn't even hear it. Donkey Kong. Oh, did I you ever play Donkey Kong growing no, up? No, I would have never gotten that one. Or growing up, or do, what, watching your kids play Donkey Kong? Never saw it. No, the game Donkey Kong. Never saw it. Frogger, Pac-Man. Two games you've already brought up today. Yahtzee, never played it. Donkey Kong, out. Yeah. All right, stay on the phone, uh, stay on the line, and Bronner gets your information. Congratulations. Whatever happened to Checkers or Monopoly? It still exists. All right. Those are games I'm familiar with. Yeah. Tic Tac Toe. See, somebody said, sounds like y'all's broadcast during a lightning storm. <laughs> so I, that was my first thought. I said, I hope we're okay. I yeah. hope we're still on the air. Yeah. I'm going to start playing that at random times, Lee. Just yeah, to just to mess with Lee. Oh, my God, what's happening? That was Michael's stomach coming in. He was so hungry this morning. Yeah, you haven't left me like a piece of cake or a brownie in a while. I'll, you know what? I'll get on that. I'll tell my wife to uh, to make something. How's that? Bronner's hungry. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It won't be Friday. The previous guy didn't like sweets. It could be Friday because I right I will be coming to the station before I head out to St. Michael's. Really? Yes. So you're going to get here at like 2, 2.30? Like the uh, night before? More like 4 o'clock. Wow. You will not see me here before that. I'm just. I hope not. In fact, if I'm a minute or two late, you just go ahead and start without me. That's a haul. 
but I'm that's one I'm more than willing to make. So looking forward to it. The Dr. Christopher Mullinex High School Game Day takes us yeah, to St. Michael. Can't wait if I can find it. It's You'll the one find place it. I always have difficulty making the wrong turn or not making the right turn. I'm gonna get on MapQuest. I'm gonna print those directions out for you, buddy. Don't worry. Mark, I had three racked up, ready to go. Uh, I thought we were going to run through like six on that yeah, one. You didn't know what it was. and I mean, you kind of did because I sent you a link, but you wouldn't have gotten <laughs> yes, that, I was, right? I, I had the visual part, but I wouldn't have gotten that. All right. When we come back, we'll talk some Georgia Bulldogs next. Uh, Chris Stewart at 8 o'clock. Richie Riley at 8.30. Stay with us. Plenty left on a uh, Wednesday edition. It's the opening kickoff. That's the voice of Georgia head coach Kirby Smart uh, as the Georgia Bulldogs prepare for the Auburn Tigers here on uh, this Saturday. It, uh, it's a 2.30 kick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And if I am, I'm sure you guys will certainly point that out to me. And I appreciate that very much. Yeah, the uh, to backtrack, when we had Joey on, because he, he actually asked us for a prediction on the Jags game, and I did some checking. The Jags are a three-point underdog going to James Madison. That's an 11 a.m. game. It's televised by ESPNU. And then you've got Auburn, Georgia at 2.30 on CBS. You've got Alabama, Mississippi State. But before that, you may want to tune in a little bit to Notre Dame and Duke. And we mentioned about Reese Davis taking over play-by-play because they're sending Chris Fowler to London to do the NFL game on Sunday. Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, up there uh, in the Athens area, covers Georgia and does it very well. He's also covered a lot of other teams around the nation. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, Lee. Thank you. Well, it's 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 obvious that you know Georgia's the number one team right now. The two national championships, trying for a three-peat. I kind of like to reflect on this team this year and maybe how it compares to the previous two Georgia teams. Well, I don't think it's as good yet. I mean, uh, they lost a lot of really good skill position players. You know, tight end, wide receiver, running back. I think the quarterback plays probably the same. Um, I think Carson Beck's decent, but, you know, the playmakers aren't doing as well so far. And, you know, a lot's been put on Brock Bauer's shoulders. I think teams obviously have a better read on Georgia. Um, and then they've got a big test on the road. It's their first road game, and, and they play an Auburn team that, you know, quite frankly, they really don't match up with well. You know, I, I'm just looking at this story here, and, of course, there's so many different stories. Georgia's about a, what, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. And it says here, and I, I just happened to get this up on Fan Nation, it says, computer model projects Auburn to defeat Georgia this weekend. How? How is that possible? Well, I mean, I think UAB just scored 21 points here in Sanford Stadium. You know, is, is Auburn as good as UAB? I, I think they are. I think they're probably better. And they're at home. And, all, you know, Georgia – Two weeks ago, they were down to South Carolina, 14 to three at half. You know, so the thing is, I don't think people have really watched a lot of Georgia, and, and I don't blame you if you haven't. You know, unless you're a Georgia fan, I don't know why you'd watch every game 60 minutes because their schedule hasn't been very good. 
and anybody that's really watched them can see that they're not playing on the level that they were last year because of the skill position players not being as good on offense and because on defense, you know, they, they don't have uh, Jalen Carter anymore. You know, you see this guy leading the NFL and pressures as a rookie. He was doing that at the college level last year. He was a game changer, and you don't have that anymore. So Georgia's in a reload mode. Uh, I think you see a little bit of that with Alabama. Um, and sometimes the teams don't carry over as well. Now, they're number one because they were number one the last two years. They're not number one based on what they've done this year. I can tell you that. If you took the logo off the helmet and just evaluated all the teams in the country, you would not put Georgia number one and maybe not even in the top ten in your poll based on how they've played this year. So back up a little bit, Mike, and thanks again for joining us. Did you say that Auburn matches up well with Georgia or not well? I said it isn't a good matchup for Georgia because the things that Auburn can do well, which is pressure the quarterback and create havoc and run the ball effectively, are a couple of the areas where Georgia hasn't been as good as they've been in the past. And so if you can run the ball effectively, uh, you've got a shot on Georgia. Uh, and if you can create havoc on their quarterback, potentially force some turnovers, um, you know that could cause problems because their offensive line has not been playing as well as it has in the past. So I'm not sitting here telling you that Auburn's a better team. I'm just telling you that because Auburn's strengths kind of feed into what we've seen some of Georgia weaknesses this year. Well, Georgia, according to the stats, is allowing only three and a half yards per carry in FBS play. I haven't looked at see what Auburn's running game. The, the running game is far superior to their passing game. I brought this out that Auburn in their last five games against Power 5 teams has not passed for over 100 yards a game, which is just mind-boggling to me. that They've gone five games against uh, Power 5 teams without going over 100 yards. And what happens, and we saw this with Texas A&M, that the passing game was so bad for Auburn, they just ganged up and stopped the running game. Yeah, well, I mean, um, that's probably what Georgia will do too, and that'll probably create some opportunities for explosive plays because when you gang up to stop the run game, you leave a lot of guys on one-on-one coverage, and, and Georgia does have a decent secondary. I just don't think their interior defensive line is as good as it's been. And I think playing in Jordan-Hare Stadium is, is a really big advantage for Auburn. I mean, I was standing in that stadium last year. I think I looked up at the scoreboard clock. with about nine minutes left in the second quarter. I think Auburn was beating LSU 17-0, to right? So I've seen Auburn play good football in that stadium, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, I was going there to watch Alabama blow, blow out Auburn like everybody else. I'm pretty sure at the start of the fourth quarter it was 10 to zero, you know, and and so I've seen Auburn rise up in Jordan Hare Stadium and play really good football before, and conversely, I'm telling you, and I think anybody that's watched a lot of Georgia will tell you that Georgia looks susceptible this year. They haven't really been tested. Um, you know, they trailed at home 14 to three to South Carolina, but you know, I'm not of the mindset that South Carolina is a a top 10 team or a top 25 team for that matter. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler's awful good, but um, my point is uh, I watched UAB put 21 points on the scoreboard at Sanford Stadium, and if they can score 21 on Georgia, why not Auburn? Michael, let me ask you something, and I'm not trying to – if I'm misquoting you, tell me, but you during our interviews last year, you didn't seem to be, let's say, the, the biggest, uh, let's say, a, a proponent for Stetson Bennett, all right? That being said – how do you compare Carson Beck with Bennett and, and what he brings to the table as the starting quarterback for Georgia? Um, 
Well, there are two different types of quarterbacks or starters. You know, Stetson had mobility and could extend plays. Carson's more consistent and more accurate. But Carson doesn't have the supporting cast that Stetson Bennett had. That's what everybody's missing here. Um, you know, everybody loved Stetson's story. It is fascinating. Um, it's curious. Um, it's somewhat disappointing now. I mean, if we continue to, you know. But my point is, the TV people had a narrative. And, they, and that's all they told you about. Every week, over and over and over and over, they created some narrative that sometimes more accurate than others, we'll say. And in doing so, they ignored the fact that Georgia had a great running back. Kenny McIntosh was easy, should have easily been a first-team All-SEC running back last year. He went over 1,000 yards. He was able to catch the ball out of the backfield. was very good between the tackles. Stepped up big in the clutch. Um, Donnie Mitchell, when he was healthy, I mean, guys out there catching touchdown passes for Texas now. He was dynamic at the X. Uh, Ladd McConkey's a guy that hadn't played this year. We don't know if he's going to play Saturday or not. He was their best wide receiver. Um, takes the top off of defense, really explosive in the open field. Has not played this year. Uh, Brock Bowers, uh, you know, he's kind of tried to be a one-man game. You know, without all those complimentary pieces around him, he's gotten a lot more attention, and um, he's had to work a lot harder for his yardage and his plays. And, and they don't have Darnell Washington. And, you know, that guy was like the Shaquille O'Neal of tight ends. I mean, he literally could collapse one side of the line of scrimmage. He was a threat to catch the ball. So they don't have those guys. They don't have those dudes. And then they don't have the defense, you know, where, you know, the quarterback could stink it up for three quarters, but their defense is, you know, keeping the other team out of the end zone. And so, you know, quarterback could play good one quarter and he's the MVP. <laughs> and put him on any other team, and his team's probably down two touchdowns at least. But the Georgia defense was so good that they could put that offense back on the field, you know, with so many three and outs, great field position, things like that. This year's defense has not been as dominant. So um, if you want to compare Carson and Stetson statistically or even forecast what Carson may do, I don't think he's going to be a Heisman finalist, but he doesn't have the same supporting cast. So, But if you just took him out of the uniforms and put him at your local football camp and had him go through the drills, nine times out of ten people are taking Carson back ahead of Stetson back. Mike Griffith with Dog Nation, a good friend of ours, uh, a resident at one time there in Daphne, and actually one of the first radio talk show hosts here with WNSP. Hey, Mike, do you think Georgia goes undefeated into the SEC title game? I don't know. Um, you know, they, they don't have to be the best team in the nation every week. They just have to be better than the team they're playing. And, and they've got a very fortuitous schedule. You know, this Auburn game is one that, you know, you circle because it's Auburn. And, you know, because Auburn has had the propensity to pull upsets. I mean, they've done it. I mean, it's, it's a mark of the program. That crowd is going to respond. They're, they're, it's going to be chaotic. And it's going to be the first time that Carson Beck has started on the road. But not just Carson Beck, for a lot of these guys. Again, this is not the same Georgia team. This is what people need to realize. Just because the logo stays there, a lot of those players are gone. Georgia has lost 25 players in the NFL draft the last two years. 25, okay? So that's a lot. That's a lot of guys to lose to the NFL draft in two years, 25, 34 over three years. And they've done a great job recruiting, but they've got some key spots where they've got injuries right now. And so that makes it even harder. They had six starters out last week. Um, so can they survive Auburn and get to Kentucky? You know, they have Kentucky at home the following week. Uh, Kentucky's got a big game with Florida this week. They'll probably leave a lot out there on the field. 
So I think they're catching Kentucky at a good time. I think Kentucky will probably beat Florida. Then they play at Vanderbilt, which is just one of those show-up games, right? And then you have a week off, and then you play Florida and Jacksonville. And, and this is not vintage Florida by any stretch. And then you get to Missouri and Tennessee in October there at Ole Miss. And, and while all those teams have been dangerous at different times, do they have the level of depth that the Georgia and Alabama does? I, I don't know that they do. So, And I'm not saying that Georgia's going to run the table. I'm just saying if you break it down game by game by game by game, it's hard to pick out a game that you think they're going to lose. Um, the road games in the SEC are typically pretty tough. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is a really good coach. I think that Auburn um, showed me they went toe-to-toe with A&M for, for quite a bit in that game. That game was a tussle. That was not – you look at the final score, and that game was a lot closer than the final score. And Auburn defense is tough, man. They're going to make it tough on Georgia, especially if Ladd McConkey can't play. All right, off the field, you know, there was so much attention given to Georgia, law enforcement, uh, arrests. DUIs, things like that during the offseason. I just wanted to get your take. Did, was it overplayed in the media, or was there certainly stories that targeted Georgia that there were problems up there with these athletes getting stopped? It seemed like, well, I don't know the number, and I don't want to quote and be wrong on it, but is that a, a major issue up there, or is it just one of these things that gets overplayed in the media? I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on your point of view. Um, you know, obviously there was, you know, a tragedy that occurred last January, and uh, that really made Georgia look at, um, you know, the, how their recruiting department was managed and the oversight for that. Um, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of issues, it seems, with uh, a lot of young people uh, speeding um, just in general. Um, and a lot of these vehicles that are being produced these days are, are pretty, you know, the horsepower is pretty ridiculous. And you put any young guy with a lot of horsepower, and I think it's a, a formula for, um, you know, bad decision-making and, and things happening. I, I can't say. I mean, some people – have different opinions. Some people say, well, you know, you wouldn't write about it if it was just Joe Blow. They're probably right. We wouldn't because they're not public figures. You know, other people say, you know, you're representing more than yourself and you've got a higher standard. And so it's absolutely news. Um, One thing I have noticed is that I think that the people that are fans of other schools think it's a bigger deal than the people that are fans of Georgia. Um, At the same time, you know, there was enough instances that Kirby Smart spoke up and said that he needed to do a better job with it. As far as the media coverage, Lee, I, 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 it's really difficult to break down media coverage of anything these days. You know, I've, I've contended that we've changed how we consume our news. I think people look for confirmation of what they already believe, and they'll keep changing the channel or they'll keep going through their Twitter feed until they find somebody they agree with. Instead of finding maybe really ultimate sources that have perspective and say, well, this is somebody that will tell me how it is. You know, we're in an age right now where everybody wants to have it their way. It doesn't matter what we're talking about, politics, vaccination, sports. Uh, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinions, and everybody believes that their opinion is right. And um, is that good or bad? I don't know. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just telling you we've, uh, you know, we've grown into a generation or we've grown into a society where, you know, everybody's entitled to their view and, and um you know, everybody has a right to think that they're right. 
that's not much of an answer, but that's kind of really where we're at when you think about it. Well, that's that's kind of the internet in a nutshell, though, right, Mike? I mean, my, it was supposed to be like this information superhighway where you go to get all these different perspectives and get all this different information. And what people are doing is they're 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 going to the places where they get what they want, not necessarily what they need, right? And instead of becoming more open and getting all these perspectives, all we're doing is is we're going to the sites and the chat rooms or whatever we're calling them these days, where pe- where like-minded people gather. Well, yeah, and you know it's funny, not funny. I'll you know, <laughs> try to call something out, and people will get mad, and some people go, "Well, I don't mind him because he does tell it how it is." Yeah. Well, I don't like him because he ought to be a Georgia fan if he writes about Georgia. Like, I don't get it. You know what? Like, I'm, it, it, can you imagine if the weatherman, you know, came out and told you it was going to be seventy and sunny? There'd be some people that would sign up for that channel. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it was snowing out, but God darn it, I just turned it on the TV, and he said it was going to be seventy and sunny. Some people want that sunshine blowing up their ass every day. Yep. They really do. They sign up for it. Yep. And that's fine. But isn't it like the red pill, blue pill thing? I mean, I just learned about that a couple months ago, that, that philosophy or that psychology of that. So, yeah, I mean, um, but it's it's great in the sense that all that information and all those opinions are out there. Um, but in another sense, it kind of makes it harder to, you know, really get a true gauge on something unless you, you really study and, and really go deep into it. You know, because a lot of times our knowledge on things are, are pretty superficial. I think that's why I like Alabama-Auburn rivalry so much because, you know, it's hard to get that one wrong, okay, because that's a 365-er. And if you're not paying attention, I don't even know why you live in the state. But everybody knows what's going on. Everybody's dialed into that deal. You know, even Kirby Smart, when I asked him about the difference between the Georgia and Auburn rivalry and Georgia and Alabama, and he said it's on a whole other, excuse me, Alabama-Auburn, he said it's on a whole other level. You know, and I try to explain that to people. Um, outside the state of Alabama, and they, you know, they take it as an insult. You know, it's like, no, I mean, look, Georgia, Florida is great, but you can't tell me that 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 rivalry. You're, you're playing that game 340 miles from your campus. You want to tell me you're all in on your robbery and you play at 300? Can you imagine if Nick Saban moved the Alabama Auburn game to New Orleans when it was Alabama's time to host? He wouldn't do it. Right. But that's what Georgia does. They move their home game 340 miles away, and there are some that will fiercely defend it. And I, I, for the, I, I've been covering this team six, seven. I, it makes no sense to me. It's, it's to me, it's, it's not, Pat, Pat Die. When I talked with, with the late coach Die, he thought it was stupid, dumb, you know. <laughs> so, but Alabama Auburn. I mean, we we know the score there. You know, people were mad when they moved it to Birmingham. I know some people remember that. Others don't. Um, but it turned. Excuse me, moved it from Birmingham. But putting that game on the Auburn campus, to me is when Auburn really started to grow. And I go there now, and I just shake my head. It's so different than when I covered that team in 93 and 94. It's just amazing. Mike, great stuff, man. We appreciate it. We'll be following you on uh, Twitter or X or whatever we call it, at MikeGriffith32 and reading it, Dog Nation, man. Thanks for your time. We'll do it again soon. All right, guys. Have a good morning. Absolutely. Hey, want to remind you guys, the Rolling Tigers Booster Club, the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club bash is set, ladies and gentlemen. December 6th at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. This is a great opportunity to support uh, wheelchair athletics at Auburn. There's a $10,000 drawdown, by the way. That's right. You can have ten grand in your pocket. Only 300 tickets sold. The odds of you winning? Excellent. Catered by Bay Gourmet. DJed by our own Matt McCoy. And there's an outstanding silent auction. Several sports items, Auburn and Alabama related. There's a signed soccer ball by Pele. 
Guys, you, you need to jump in on that. Auburn wheelchair basketball head coach Rob Taylor will actually be at the event. You're interested in getting tickets. You're interested in donating to the cause. You're interested in do donating to the silent auction. Call Dr. Mike Rim, 232-4753. That's 232-4753. It's the 11th annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash. $10,000 drawdown, only 300 tickets sold, set for December 6th at St. Dominic's Murphy Center. Again, call Dr. Mike Rim, 232-4753. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number two with a short segment. Chris Stewart at 8 o'clock, Richie Riley at 830. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. So... This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. In the air, out towards right center, Suzuki the call. Oh, no, no. Oh, my goodness. And two-run score, Suzuki. 7.54, wrapping up hour number two, the opening kickoff. He dropped the ball, a routine fly ball, two-run score, Braves rally to win 7-6. to six. I want to uh, introduce, uh, she's been on before, uh, Lee Brill, uh, who is the owner of Ward International Trucks. They're uh, one of our uh, major sponsors. And Lee, first of all, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. So glad you could make it on the show today. So uh, what are some of the new trucks that you have on sale, new and used? So right now we've got um, two demos coming in. One, one is an HX triaxle. Um, it's going to have metallic orange paint on the cab with a black metallic hood and then a black body. Um, and then we have an, another demo, an LT, that's coming in with an S13 engine. Those will be in in a couple weeks. Um, then we've got two HX triaxle dumps coming in that are going to be for sale. We've got five CVs coming in. They're um, a class five truck, and they're uh, the weight is you know sixteen thousand to twenty thirty five. Um, so they're all under CDL. Those will be coming in soon, regular cab and crew cab. Um, and then used trucks right now, we've got two uh, twenty sixteen International Pro Stars. They're ISX, 500 horsepower, 13-speed manuals, around 350,000 miles for those, um, and they're uh, $59,000. And you also wanted to uh, talk about parts? Yes, sir. So if everybody goes to our website, so it's wardtrucks.com, and uh, we have a service, International has a service called uh, RepairLink, and it's a free sign-up. You go on, um, when you go to the website, click on parts and scroll down, and you'll see repair link, and it's an online parts ordering program. And so customers can go on there and um, sign up, look for parts by VIN number, part number, um, and then they put their order into us, and then we fill their order, and we will deliver it to them for free. They can come pick it up. Um, it's a great system that we've got that International's put together. It just makes it easier for the customer if they just want to look up a part just to see what it is. Uh, for their VIN number, and then either they can call us, they can call us to it at 251-433-5616, or they can just go to wardtrucks.com, look up those parts. It's totally free. Our delivery is free. So it's a, it's a great service. 
Indeed it is. Hey, Lee, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in touch. You have a wonderful day. Yes, sir. Thank you, you too. Lee Brill with uh, International Ward International Trucks. Uh, apparently, you guys were as, uh, as, as baffled and a little bewildered as we were with Mike Griffith's take on the Georgia-Auburn game. Even Auburn fans were in there kind of shaking their heads. What's going on there? Yeah, I'm not sure. He he, he typically he typically glows in a direction that we, we rarely see coming, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't fail us again this time, did he? I didn't. No, no, not not at all. I didn't. Actually, I didn't see him going in this direction. I mean, I, it, it looks like everything is stacked up against Auburn. The the, the offense. Uh, you know, he mentioned about UAB. You know, their offense. They did score twenty one points, but you know, this is an SEC game. Obviously, Auburn on the uniform is going to mean a lot more uh, to Georgia than maybe playing UAB. And the other thing to consider, Georgia's won six straight in this series now. I mean, they've really dominated the series. And a lot of these games, Mark, haven't even been close. And and personally, from what I've seen in the two key games, California and and uh, Texas A&M, I haven't seen any offense at all. The quarterbacking's been poor. The passing has been atrocious, a word that we've used quite a bit lately to define quarterbacks around the state. So I don't get it. I mean, yeah, three and their defense, they only allow three and a half yards per carry. And you can shut down Auburn by concentrating on their run. Acting like poor old Georgia. Auburn's got no chance in this game. None. Zilch. Zero. None. I'm now hoping that they pull off the so upset. Why? Just so I can go no, back to this segment. I'll go ahead yeah, and put my hand up Monday morning and say I was dead wrong. But I, what have you seen you from won't Auburn have to, to make, we'll, make, we'll, make we'll, you think? We'll, no, no there's, nothing, there's nothing that we've seen from Auburn that will make us think that this is that they're going to win this ballgame. Or even be close. Or score a point. Yeah, that's what I brought up yesterday. Will they even score an offensive uh, touchdown? Time I up. hope I'm wrong. But I don't think I am. I, 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 will we agree? I always hope you're wrong, too. <laughs> All right, Chris Stewart will talk some Alabama. Richie Riley at 830. Uh, and you, 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are, 8.05, hour number three on a Wednesday. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff continues here on the sports station WNSP. Time to bring in uh, Chris Stewart uh, with the Alabama Radio Network. And Chris will be on the call going to Mississippi State, Starkville this coming Saturday. A late night for you, Chris. Will be getting a nap. I can assure you of that. <laughs> I, will, I will find a way to get some rest somewhere along the way. I'll probably sleep on that that nice easy drive for eighty on eighty two. So I'm just kidding, I'll be driving myself. Yeah, I was so gonna I say. Yeah. So it's just we were just contemplating if the game starts a little after eight, and then I don't know. Do you stay and do much on the post game? So you're not you're looking at the post game around midnight, right? Well. 
as soon as the game ends, I throw the commercial break, and then I go to the field because I have to do Coach Saban's TV show, either the field or the locker room, depending on the outcome. Uh, but I have the responsibility of the TV show afterwards. So as soon as the play-by-play ends and we throw that that first post-game break, then uh, then I'm done as far as the radio is concerned. But then I go over to, to do TV work. So speaking of TV, and it we, we t- we've talked about this before, but when he does the play of the game, it really is fascinating the way he dissects this. Oh. But he threw a little—he threw a little something, something on the back end of last week's that I thought was just really like he—he yeah. he, it was really funny. No, it was, and here's the thing: is that you know um, they try to mix up, and I say that because I have nothing to do with selection of the play, anything. I'm watching. I'm like fifth down the rung of importance when it comes to picking the play, input, anything. And fifth is probably giving myself too much credit. But uh, Daniel Lyerly, who is the video guy for football, does a great job giving coach. And this is only on the home games, of course, because that's the only time we have access to the board. But um, he will give him about three different plays to choose from to let him decide what he wants to use for for that particular game. And since we have not done anything special teams – he went with the block. Yeah. And and Coach had said before, you know, while we were off tape, off camera, if you will, um, you know, we didn't do anything with it, but, but the block was good, so let's go with that. So we did, and it's kind of, you know, normally you'll, you'll talk about a play and you'll reference it being a touchdown or setting up a touchdown or ending a drive or something of that nature, if it's on defense, of course. But but he talks about this great play and how good it was, and then it just kind of hits him again. We didn't do a dang thing with it. but uh, And he kind of got tickled about it because we won. There's, there would have been no joy in Mudville had we, uh, had we not won that ball game, but it was pretty funny. Uh, in the moment because it did kind of hit him once again. Well, there's nothing good to talk about as soon as this block took place, but at least we got the block. So is this unusual for a football coach? I mean, the heat of the game, talks to his players, he's got media uh, to deal with, to come out and do a TV show almost immediately after the game ends? Do, do a lot, do, are you even aware that other coaches do that, or do they just wait till Sunday? Yeah. Coaches do, I think, because it keeps them from having to come back in the next day, and every minute is planned with him anyway. But he wants it; he wants it done. And frankly, it's better for the CT uh, Crimson Tide Productions CTP crew to have it done that way. Uh, they're able to go ahead and get it finished. In fact, they, as you've seen, they put out that uh, feed that very night. Uh, of that particular play because it's become so popular and people do enjoy it. So they, they try to turn that back out on social media as quickly as they can. And it's a, it's a really good thing because it helps remind people about the show coming up either on Sunday or maybe on a Monday, depending on where their market is, where they're watching the, the show. But it's, um, it's not uncommon, and I'm glad because it's it's fresh on his mind. If we were breaking down each play, uh, if you were looking and doing a full recap of of the plays, the and I, I'll reference the old school way 
for those that remember Coach Bryant and I believe Coach Jordan did his show the same way at Auburn. You know, they would sit there and, and uh, in Coach Jordan's case, it was with uh, Carl Stevens, I believe, uh, the famous You're So Right, Carl line when Carl would make a, a statement about it and, and they're recapping every play. And in the case of uh, Coach Bryant, of course, it was Charlie Thornton for so many years opening up that ice-cold Coca-Cola and the bag of Golden Flake chips. That was just the routine every week. And they would literally break down every play as it went down. Well, Coach Saban ain't breaking down every play with me. In fact, he's not, you know, we're, I'm saying let's take a look at the first half highlights and they go to basically a montage of the highlights uh, in chronological order, but it'll have either the radio or the TV call over that. And then we come out of that and, and we'll have coaches' comments about whatever took place in the first half in general or maybe a couple of specific things. Throw a commercial, come back, take a look at the second half. And, you know, that's the way it goes. And then we have other features on – player of the week, a, a coach interview, um, and then we're we're taking a look at what's next. Or in the case of those home games you reference, we'll have the play of the game and and uh, have him breaking that down. But it's a uh, it is an interesting way to do it. The the folks at CTP do a phenomenal job of getting that done and turned around. And I'm just thankful we get the time and the insight from Coach that we do. It's it's pretty special. And also, it's good to go ahead and get it while it's fresh on his mind, but also where it's done and he's ready to he's ready to move on and everybody else can get their work done as well. I'm just kind of curious, and again, just educate me. So, is it tougher to sure. do this on the road? Like, does, does Mississippi State give you access to a particular area? It's, it's going to be, what, around 1130 when you're, I guess, when you're doing this and there's not well, much lighting. Yeah. Yeah, Lee, the, here's the way it'll work. If uh, if it's a win, which thankfully during his era has been much more often than not, he will go into the locker room, he'll talk with his team. He talked, and I know this because I used to do the sidelines first. It would be pretty hectic for me. I'd do the sidelines, I'd interview players, I would feed those back up top, and then we would go out and do it. But his, his order, his time, is uh, very simply the game ends, he goes in and talks to the team. Uh, after each win, I think win or lose, he goes and shakes hands with every player at every locker. Um, he will then go talk with the medical staff. He will then go talk to the media. And then on home games, he talks to recruits and then comes up to the CTP studios and we record the show. If it's a road game, then he'll do all the things I talked about except for talking to the recruits, of course. And instead of that, he comes straight out onto the field if uh, if it's a win and we we have the ability to do so. And if not, then we find a place in or near the locker room area and knock out the show. And it's quick. It doesn't take <laughs> Lord willing, it doesn't take 15 minutes to get that done, especially if it's a road ball game and uh, and it's a loss. So it'll it'll go pretty quick. But if it's a home game and we're able to sit down in the studio and it's a better environment, then uh, he doesn't and he doesn't have to worry about getting changed and getting on the plane himself. 
he can sit back and, and be a little more talkative and reflective about the game itself. He's Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide. He joins us here on WNSP. Chris, I don't know if you noticed, but some of the more, how should we say, experienced uh, personalities in college football over the last week have, have had some hot takes and have kind of thrown back in their faces Lee Corso, uh, Lou Holtz, Joe Namath. I just happened to be sitting next to a, an experienced veteran here. I, did, I didn't know if you wanted to throw a little uh, throw a little fuel on the fire and go after Lee here a little bit before you before we let you go. What, what did Lee say? I, first of all, not kicking Bambi out of the forest if you're going to mess with Lee. <laughs> but uh, so I wouldn't do that. But uh, <laughs> what did I miss uh, Lee Corso or Lee Shervanian? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Are they two different people? I don't know. Sorry. I've never I've never Sorry. seen them in the same place. Uh, what has Shervanian said? What difference does it make? Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing, everything, uh, nothing. Yeah, if you just want to pick on him. I'm very mild compared to our uh, board op producer, uh, Michael Bronner. He's a lot more outspoken than I am these days. He he kind of picks on a lot of people. So I'd have to put myself aside on that, Chris. I haven't said anything controversial that I can think of. Have I this week? Uh, we can make something up. We never let facts get in the way of a good story, Chris. I don't well, pick I on people, by the way. I yeah. understand completely. But here's the other thing I've learned. Don't pick off the producer no matter what you think of them because they do control the buttons. That is correct. So, That's yeah. assuming they know what the buttons do. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, you're going to find out quick. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, uh, have a safe drive. Uh, if, if you can't make that drive safely, have somebody drive you, please. I don't, I don't want to hear reports I of you taking your it. nap. If it is not safe it will not be my fault and i'm sticking with that hey i love it hey enjoy the game it should be a good one and Thank we'll talk guys. soon yep that's uh that's chris stewart right here on the uh sports station wnsp all right we can catch up with our buddy roy hudson it's been a minute we'll see what his take is on uh my griffin yeah georgia in georgia richie riley scheduled to join us as well we'll talk some uh well, you never know what we're getting, Richie. That's always why we enjoy having him. And, of course, we'll uh, cont- continue to take your comments in the app at WNSP.com. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather are next as we uh, continue on hour number three of this Wednesday edition of the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station. Stay with us. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. All right, 824, welcome back in. Richie Riley's going to join us about uh, six or seven minutes or so. You want to jump in, you can at 694-1055. That's the number to get us. And uh, we were talking about it earlier. Um, Crazy bet on the Monday night football game. An NFL guy guy placed a bet on Eagles-Bucks, lost 24K on a no-safety bet. And what's crazy about this is it was only going to be a $960 payout. So you had to put up $24K just to win $960. And the bet was there wasn't going to be a safety in the Eagles-Bucks game. And sure enough, there was a safety. Guy was out 24K. Not sure the status of his marriage at this point, if he was indeed married. 
but uh, that's uh, that's a tough way to go. That's a tough way to go. All right, uh, we we talk about betting kiddingly on this day, because none of us really throw money around like that. At least I'm not aware of it. So when we talk money, let's bring in Roy Hudson from Community Bank. Good morning, Roy. How are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. But if any of your listeners have a big payday, we've got some super uh, CD specials going on right now. They might want to come in and talk to us about it. It's a little safer probably than putting a wager down on a uh, a bunch of uh, 19 and 21-year-olds for sure. <laughs> All right. like Such as what are, what are we talking about now? What kind of interest rates? Uh, top of the market, I'll say that. I'd get into a bunch of disclosures. I start naming rates, but uh, very good. Let me say that. All right, <laughs> let me ask you this about Auburn. I mentioned this stat, which has boggled my mind. In the last five Auburn games against Power 5 teams, they have failed to go over 100 yards passing in each of the five. Are we going over or under against Georgia? You know what? I think we're going over, and the reason I say that is, uh, you know, I think Thorne has a reputation just in the past of having bad games and good games being hot and cold. Well, I think just Murphy's Law says he's, it's, he's due to be hot and hit some of these wide-open receivers that are running around. So I'm going to go with the over on that and uh, hope he plays well and, and settles in and, and starts playing a little bit better. Are you optimistic? Somewhat, but uh, I don't know that I'm ready to say that Auburn's going to win that football game. Georgia is just really, really good, and probably the Jimmy and Joes at every position just are a little bit stronger than what Auburn has at this point. I think Coach Freeze is doing a good job of bringing some people in, but you know, to get to the level of Georgia and Alabama and the elite programs, it takes a little bit of time to, to get the players in, at least the impact players, and uh, no more apparent than the one under center for Auburn right now. You are recruiting over at Community Bank these days? Yes, we always are. We have a great group right now. We brought some people in over at our new Jeff Shores office that are just doing a fantastic job. And we're always looking for that A-plus talent to come in here and help uh, what we consider a very strong team already. So, yeah, anybody that's looking for uh, an opportunity, they can reach out to uh, to any of us here at the bank, myself and, and uh, Bill Kilduff, and we'd love to talk with them. Roy, always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll be in touch. All right, guys. Thank you. That's Roy uh, Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. Always, uh, always fun to catch up with Roy. Uh, so, what's the what's the worst bet for money or otherwise that you lost? Like, what's which one hurt the most? Like this guy putting You're up twenty four k. Us personally, yeah. Just whether it was money or just with a buddy. What was the worst bet you lost, and why? Right, so this guy puts up twenty four k for a nine hundred and fifty dollar payout or whatever, and lost twenty four k. I mean, I can't think on a, on the most ridiculous bet you could think of. Bronner's thinking about it. You probably got a good one. What do you got? I'd have to really think on this. I I don't know. I bet, I one time bet my Cowboys buddy friend that the Cowboys wouldn't win the division. Like played bookie, gave him odds, and and lost money on it. And, and that was foolish, but. I'd have to think on it. Lost a a chunk of change on the Alabama Georgia National Championship. Have you uh, have you won or lost more money? And hypothetically, rhetorically like asking lifetime? for a friend. Yeah, I like to say I'm up, but but you're not really keeping track. Well, I I you know. Would you would would you have a different lifestyle today if you ne- if you've never placed a bet? I don't think so. At, at worst, it's close to even. All right. Well, then it's for entertainment purposes only. Oh, it's, yeah. All right. Fair enough.
Although I didn't expect him to say, you know, he's lost thousands on the air. It's really not like that. Okay. You don't need us to uh, set up a GoFundMe for you? Well, he didn't so. say that. Hold ask on now. Again. Ask me again after I have 24K on Georgia Moneyline. This there week. you go. Hey, Richie Riley's next. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. and girls here we go on this wednesday edition it's the opening kickoff joined now by the south alabama head basketball coach richie riley good morning sir how are you today doing good guys good morning good morning richie i'm reading so much about uh college basketball practices heating up starting this week and in, in in the past I, I i always remember like october 15th for whatever reasons why are they beginning uh, such an early start now for uh, practice yeah, the rule now, um, they changed it a few years ago, is 42 days out from your first game, and then you got to mix in a certain number of off days um, in between there. Yeah, it used to be that everybody had those big midnight madnesses on uh, that October 15th date. And um, now it's not, you know, there's not as much, I guess, popularity or talk about the first practices anymore uh, it's, a, it's a little bit different I, when i was growing up i remember when kentucky had their midnight madness it was the first practice and a huge deal and it's they just don't do it like that anymore so we we started this past week um it was great to get started to be able to once you start you don't stop until until march so it, it was good to get started and, and we're going full tilt I see what you did there, March. I, I, I pick, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Coach. Yeah, we're trying to get there. We're trying to play, trying to play as deep into March as we can. That's oh. always the plan. I love it. Hey, so uh, I'm sure you saw a South football game over the weekend. I gotta believe it's a so a huge issue there with the uh, the personal foul late. As a coach in basketball, I'm assuming it's a lot more uh, in your face. There's a difference Saban talks about b- playing with emotion as opposed to being emotional. How do you as a basketball coach handle guys on the sideline or on the court when things get chippy, when things get emotional and you have to settle a guy down? Because you still want him to play with kind of that emotion but n- not let it backfire on you. Yeah, I hated that for that kid, man. It was He's a heck of a player, and I hated, hated that the game ended like that for him, and, and obviously I hated the result of the game. Um, I think we got a heck of a team. I think we'll bounce back against James Madison this weekend up there. It's obviously going to be a tough game, but I, I think we'll play really well. Um, you know, with, with us, with us, we 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 coach our guys um, really hard every day, and and we we put adversity on their doorstep in practice every day, and you know, so you try to train habits so when you get in those moments that you control your emotions and. And you know, continue to be composed, and you know, play with 
play play the right way even when you're in a tough situation. But uh, it doesn't always work out like that. You know, basketball, football, every, every sport is an emotional sport. So uh, I like that saving quote, what you said. But, you know, you, you try to try to prepare these guys the best you can uh, because there is no true simulation for for 40 minutes for us and for for football those four quarters. There is no true simulation. You can do your best in practice and, you know, bring adversity to them and showing them how to handle it. But, you know, you you hope you hope that you got, got guys that can handle that and, and perform at their highest level uh, when it means the most. Richie, let me ask you something that we've dwelled on quite a bit this week. And, you know, I was watching college football final uh, over the weekend when they wrap it up. Joey Galloway, to me, had a very pertinent statement. He turned to Dan Mullen, who, as you know, has been a coach. And this had to do with the rant by Ryan Day and the uh, to-do he had with Lou Holtz. And then you had that Washington State coach coming down on Lee Corso. And this just goes on and on and on. And Galloway said, you know what? You know, these coaches out there, they say they never watch TV. They don't have time for this. They're always game planning. They don't know what's being said or, or whatever or they don't they're not on you know social messaging or anything like that yet they'll come out and hey uh, Lou Holtz you you have no right to criticize my team you know so uh, let's not let's not fool the public and say you guys don't know what's going on you know through the uh, TV or messaging or things like that what do you think about all the way that th- th- these coaches are going back and forth now uh, and coming out with rants like this yeah, I, I always operate with blinders on. I uh, I kind of stay off all that. Now, now our presence here, we're not, you know, not on that huge stage of like an Ohio State football and things like that. But yeah, certain coaches check all that stuff. I know guys that are like that. They'll get on message boards and read stuff and you know see all the stuff on Twitter and you know all the stuff in the media. I think it's kind of to each its own. I, I try to focus on coaching my team. Um, and I think it's all you can do because everybody's got an opinion, you know, and I, I don't, I don't ever really address that unless it's a personal attack on my players. You know, I think that's when you should address it. We see some coaches do that, you know, when there is a personal attack on their guys, but we live in a, we live in a world where everybody's got an opinion. You don't have to be educated in something. You don't have to have any knowledge of anything. You can still have an opinion. You can still put it out there with no real repercussions. Um, you know, and Lou Holtz is Lou Holtz is an 86 year old retired legendary football coach that used to do a lot of TV, and appears to be a great guy. I feel like if I was Ryan Day, I would probably just let let that one go. You know, but the emotion after you win a game like that. They looked like they were going to lose. I can see, I can see kind of where he's coming from. I guess, but if you concern yourself with with the opinions of other people, especially other people that you wouldn't ask their advice, I think a coach said that not too long ago. I don't concern myself with opinions of other people if I wouldn't ask their advice. I, I think you're in trouble in this day and age. So, put those blinders on and focus on coaching your team. Um, I think I think nothing matters. With outside noise, the only thing that matters is the guys in your locker room and going out there and try to win the forty. Richie, uh, you know, I, I I offered this up to Chris Stewart, the voice of the Crimson Tide, about a half hour ago. I'll, I'll give you the same 
opportunity. We we have a an older, more experienced sports guy sitting right here in Lee Shervanian. So bring it. Just just let rip into him. Let's go. It, it's it's beat up on old people week apparently. <laughs> No, Lee's too good. He's too good of a guy. I, I couldn't. I couldn't get out. No, I mean he was. He guy. was talking about even, how you. He bashed us. Even if he bashed us after a loss this year, I don't think I could get. That's never gonna happen, Richie. That's never gonna. No, happen. he was talking about how man he's sick and tired not hearing about your schedule coming, not coming out. He wants to know why you don't answer on the first ring. Like he's sick of it. And I said, calm down, Richie's busy, but here's your opportunity. Go after him. Get him. Stick him, Richie. <laughs> You think, you think he's going to go live on, on Twitter here later and just go on a rant about me uh-huh. and then, then force me to respond? I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond. Well, be tough. We, got, we, got so much, we got so much going on right now in college football with all these responses and opinions. Obviously, it's Colorado is in the spotlight like everything well, let, they do. Richie, let me ask you. Know, you. There's a response. There's an opinion. It's just, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Do you believe anything he says? I'm talking about Mark. Oh, oh, me? Yeah, I, I didn't know if you were talking about Richie. Dion or what. Do you, do you believe anything he says? <laughs> no, I, no, sir. I've I've known Mark long enough. Good, good, good. He, yeah, he he never he never lets the truth get in the way of a good story. No, See, exactly. That's my quote. See, with a fork and tongue. See, Nick Nick Saban talks about playing with emotion, but not being emotional. And I'm always my my thing is don't let facts get in the way of a good story. And also, you can't follow me on Twitter because I'm not on X. And for the record, I think I, I think Lee probably did tearing you on Twitter. He just didn't know how to tag you. That's probably what it was. That's why you didn't see it. He's trying to figure it out. He just went out to death ears because nobody knew what, what he was talking about. That's my, right. My next tweet will be the first. Hey, let me ask you something. Uh, with all the great football games coming up this weekend, we talk about Auburn, Georgia, uh, South Alabama at 11 a.m., but your household being very much into golf, will the Ryder Cup be very visible on your screen this weekend? Yeah, super early wake up call, man. <laughs> it's uh, they tee they tee off. They actually tee off at one thirty our time. Yeah, no, at twelve thirty our time is the first four ball group um, on Friday. And then it gets into the afternoon session. Afternoon session is a little more manageable. I think they tee off the afternoon session, the foursomes, um, at like 7.35. So my kids are already mad. They're not going to be able to watch it on Friday. So Saturday we'll be up really early um, watching it. And then the same thing on Sunday. Is yeah, Reese- nothing take, nothing, no no giddy, um other than South Alabama, they'll be, they'll be on the same time as the Ryder Cup. Can take precedent over the Ryder Cup. It's the greatest sporting event there is. I, I've, I've believed that for a long time. Why, why is that? I, why is that? I, you know, it's team golf, and it's country. You know, it's it's our country against Europe, and that pretty much outside of about four to five golfers, I guess seven to eight golfers because of live that throws another wrench into it. Are are playing, and it's such a rivalry, and so much emotion, and you don't get to see that in golf a lot. You know, you don't get to see that team aspect, especially playing for something bigger than yourself. And I've always felt like it's just an elite event. The atmosphere, the competition—it's always just down to the wire most of the time. And I just—I think it's—I think it's the best. I think—I think golf too is. It's, our, it's really our last pure game. I mean, it's based on integrity. It's based on 
you know, honesty. It's just it's a, it's such a pure game. And the Ryder Cup has always been to me the greatest sporting event. I like it better than the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, the Final Four, everything. It's it's an elite event. I mean, and that's why you see guys like Michael Jordan. He's there every year. He's, I'm sure he's over there right now. You know, you got guys that show up every year to watch it because it's it's such a special deal. He's Richie Riley. He's our guest here on WNSP, and occasionally he coaches basketball over at South Alabama. So, um, so when do we get into like we're, we're practicing now, right? So when do when does it become a every day? We're we're this is it. We're in it. Are we in it now? Yeah, we're in it now. Yeah, we're in it now. Today's actually an off day because you have to have a certain amount of off days. But yeah, we're in it now. It's we start official practice on on Monday, and and we're going. It's we're going full tilt. And again, it doesn't stop to March. You know, basketball. Maybe but I feel like basketball more so than any sport is almost year round. I mean, you get these guys for eight weeks of the summer. You know. Then they get a very small break, and then we're back with skill work and weights and conditioning. Then you start official practice. Then you start the games, and then after the season, you know you got spring workouts. You know a few couple weeks after the season, and then you're back to the summer. So it's it's a year round grind, and um, I, this is my most enjoyable time. Is is this the summer? Of of working our guys out, spending time with them in the practices, um, and just getting better and teaching, and you know this is the most enjoyable time for me of of being a basketball coach. The games, everybody just cares about the games, um, but I get the most joy out of seeing the improvement from our guys and and building building the team that will compete um, when we get there in November. So, Richie, how about an overview of this year's team, of what you have there? Obviously, some changes, some freshmen coming in. Uh, how optimistic are you that this team can contend for top honors in the Sun Belt? Yeah, I, I really like our group. I, I do. I think we, we, we obviously lost two all-league guys. Um, I think Isaiah Moore was the most valuable player in our league. Um, and Kevin Samuel on the defensive side is just – you know, elite, you know, one of the best defenders in the country. So losing those guys and, you know, a guy like Owen White, I mean, he was, he's probably the most undervalued guy in our league. I mean, what he did for our team. So you, we lost some key pieces, but I think we addressed it in recruiting. We did a nice job of building more depth with our guard play. Um, we're more athletic, we're more physical, uh, bigger, and, and we got a few more guys that can get out there and have an impact. And then in the front court, we did a good job of identifying what, who we wanted to be, and we went out and got those guys. Um, and so offensively, I think a ton more spacing, our shooting's better, uh, a lot more versatility. What we can do now defensively, we gotta gotta make up for having that that safety net. When you had Kevin Samuel back there, it's just a safety net. I mean, he saved us a lot of times with his ability to block shots and change shots. So we don't have that. So we got to be, got to be really disciplined in our approach and keeping the ball out of the paint. You know, we got to, we can't let it get in there. Last year when you had him, you know, if it got in there, you're, you're okay. A lot of times this year is a little bit different. Got to be charge takers. Got to be tough guarding the ball. So I, I like our group. I mean, we were possession away from going to the tournament last year. I think this group 
um, has some similarities when it comes to substance. We've got a high level of substance with these guys, and um, their character is incredible. So I think that goes a long way, more so now than it did 10 years ago. Um, just having the guys that want to get better, want to be coached every day, and, and we definitely have that. Richie, on the lighter side, so there's this talk, and I don't really understand all this because I was never really a collector of jerseys or anything like that, but the Travis Kelsey jersey is spiked up what uh, because of the game and the fact that Taylor Swift was in his suite and all this, and apparently females are, are helping spike this up. But in your career, and your sports career, was there ever a jersey or some kind of memento like that that you coveted that you had to have? Yeah, de- definitely. As, as you, I'm a Jersey guy. I love jerseys. I still do. Like when I was younger, I, I loved them. You know, I'd save save any money I had so I could get jerseys. Um, but first of all, Travis Kelsey. I mean, what a what a business. You know, upgrade he's got here. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he's one of the one of the most famous people in the world. And not only is you know a lot of people would really want to date a famous person like that. It's helping him while he's dating her. I mean, his jersey sales, went, like you said, went out the roof. Their ticket sales are up. His, I think his Instagram went up like 350,000 followers in like two days. Yep. And it's crazy. You know, people love Taylor Swift. Um, so, so that's a really cool thing. But, yeah, I always – I always ask. I still got jerseys. I got I got all the Kobe jerseys, um, the eight, the twenty-four, all different. And I got all those. I've got I've got all the LeBrons. Um, I, I still collect them. I've got a Trevor Lawrence Clemson jersey from the national championship year. Really cool jersey. Um, but yeah, I've I've always collected them. But then I I like shoes too. You know the Jordans. I've got. I've had all those throughout the course of my life. Um, so, yeah, I like stuff like that. I think it's really cool. What? I guess it's a kid in me a little bit. I still like stuff like that. Um, and, you know, especially when I was young, I, I, I would love those old school jerseys. Any type of jersey, like, just like it. What is the, let's say, the priciest jersey you have? In other words, if somebody came to you and, and – wanted to let's say buy a jersey from you is there one there that's really goes above and beyond the others i don't know i've got some authentic lebrons um and kobe's so probably those i mean the kobe 8 the gold kobe 8 is (laughs) is really cool jersey you know that's back when he and Shaq were winning those titles probably that one um I got a Richie Riley Eastern Kentucky number three. What? How about that? That was that was slightly worn. The warm up never came off, so the jersey's not damaged. Maybe that one would be the most valuable. I don't know. Hey, Richie, I always appreciate it. All right, so y- you said it. People love her. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? I don't know. Me and Jess were talking about it last night because it's just so crazy to talk about like how much media coverage this is getting and i was like i don't really know any of her songs like that i feel bad i don't i don't know him and jess was saying she writes a lot of songs based on her life and it's kind of like an open diary or you know whatever but so people are intrigued that 
what she's going to write next about her and Travis Kelsey's relationship. I don't know. You know, I, I'm one of these guys. I was telling her because she was like, people are on there on social media talking about who's Travis Kelsey. Is that I'm like one of those. Like Travis Kelsey's to me is a lot more, you know, noticeable than her. I know she is. She's super famous, but I guess most of the country would see it the opposite spectrum. I can't. So I don't know. I don't know any great song. I mean, obviously she has a lot of great ones. She's won countless awards, and you know, has more a bigger fan base than maybe any musician there is. So, well, according to, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Swifty. Isn't that what they call them? Swifty. A Swifty. Yeah. I'm not a Swifty. I'm not. I'm not like a. Lies, like lies, a, lies. Can, can you? I can I'm not. I couldn't name one of her songs, although she sings quite a few of them. But can you help me out on this? I'm also not well versed in Usher, who's going to do the Super Bowl show. Do, do any songs of his that you know of that are really popular? Uh, too, too many to too many to name. I love that Usher's doing the Super Bowl. Like it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. You know, it, 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 the one that pops up is "You Got It Bad." That's that's the Mark Hines anthem. <laughs> you, know, he, 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 you got it bad. <laughs> I think that's a good way to start. All right, we got time to talk about Usher next time. We got to run. Uh, I think you're lying. I think you're a huge Swifty. I think Jess probably makes fun of you for it, but I I say stick to your guns, Richie. Stick to your guns. Do you like what you like? Maybe I will be now. Maybe I'm gonna I might spend the day trying to trying to research some of our music. And All right. Next time we talk, I'll I'll have a favorite song. All right. Hey, South Alabama basketball players, if you're listening, Richie's on the Ox today or tomorrow for practice. It's all Taylor Swift all the time. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate it. We'll catch up soon. All right, guys. Enjoyed it. All right. That's South Alabama basketball coach Richie Riley. We come back. One quick segment. We ran long with him. Uh, so we'll uh, have closing ceremony. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNS Pitt. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Real short segment here as we went along with Richie, which seems to be a tradition here at WNSP. But uh, we appreciate you guys uh, taking part in today's show. What you got cooking for tomorrow? Well, usually on Thursday, Paul Feinbaum is available for us at 7. That's going to be the case tomorrow, we assume. And also Eli Gold will give us his take on Alabama football, bring us up to date on his thoughts on Jalen Milrow. He called the game Last week, the uh, victory over Ole Miss. Uh, we'll talk some high school football uh, with the coach at Gulf Shores because they do play at Ladd Stadium tomorrow. I think I saw where they were ranked as high as number two or three in 5A. Uh, Mark Hudspeth will be joining us and Jim Nagy back with us from nice. the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl to talk some NFL with us. You know, maybe we'll get into this a little bit tomorrow. Didn't get much of a chance to talk about it today. It's really a couple of schools that really aren't a part of our listening area or coverage area. White Plains and A.L. Johnson are both ineligible uh, for the playoffs. The reason, though, baffles me. Um, they forfeited a game. And it's apparently, according to the Alabama High School Athletic Association, once you forfeit a game, regardless of your record, it makes you ineligible for the postseason. See, I wasn't even aware I of that. I kind of have an issue with that. It seems like if you, it, a forfeit is a loss, right? So if you, know, you don't get kicked out of the playoffs for losing, and one of the schools um, forfeited because there was 
a shooting or somebody was branding a gun and homecoming festivities went awry, so they're like, no, we're not playing this well, game. Didn't we have a program here in Mobile last year that had to forfeit because of a player ineligibility, yet they made the playoffs and, and did very well in the postseason. They had to vacate wins. That's what it was. But on this situation, I don't know. How about that Tuscaloosa County? Remember when they had to forfeit Bessemer because of the gift cards? But it now says they here a team that intentionally forfeits is uh, a required game may become ineligible for championship competition for the remainder of the season. That's a little harsh, man. I'm just saying. We'll get into it tomorrow. Anyway, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. We're back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya!